TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys in a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. Thank you for joining us. Beautiful, beautiful Monday here in the fine city of Chicago. We got Bulls, Hawks, playoff basketball today. A couple of NBA playoff games started yesterday. Some baseball action to talk about. Not of it, much of it of the uh, very positive variety. And, of course, the uh, big, uh, not capture, but the killing of Osama bin Laden yesterday announced by Barack Hussein Obama. Uh, big, 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 big news. Everybody talking about it. We'll talk about that and more. But first, let me welcome in my good partner, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. And even before that, let's enjoy some of the talks on music. Ah, yes, indeed. Big dog checking in via his telecommunicating phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. Joel, how are you, my friend? I'm doing all right, Coach. You know, half elated and half, uh, like, embarrassed and humiliated. I had a very interesting weekend. And uh, the half elated, does that have to do with uh, the passing of one of our great evil enemies, or does it have to do, on a more selfish standpoint, with your uh, particular <laughs> social life? Oh, no, no, but well, what a night. Seriously, Coach, I'm lucky oh, what a night. that I did not fall asleep on the couch before they announced that there was going to be a, uh, you know, a, a special yep. presidential announcement from the East Wing at basically what uh, they said it was going to be ten thirty Eastern time. He didn't actually do it until about eleven mm-hmm. thirty Eastern time. So, yeah, my my son informed uh, uh, me and my wife. I don't know. He got a tweet or uh, got some kind of update on one of his uh, telecommunicative phone lines, and that's how we found out about it. I heard that uh, during the Mets-Phillies Sunday night baseball game that the crowd started chanting as the words started passing around USA, USA, and all the players were kind of confused until they found out what it was about. Kind of curious from a uh, sporting standpoint. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. That, that's actually pretty cool how that ended up happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, cloudy, cloudy yelled it down to me. So Yeah, there's no better, no better person to hear uh, uh, great or tragic news or momentous news from uh, from a guy named Cloudy. That's only rightful. <laughs> well, it, it was concise. It was on point. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, really, it's uh, it's amazing how many people just went to the streets and started rallying. I mean, it, it looks like, yeah. you know, it's, it looks like the, it's the Middle East. You yeah, know what I mean? a little weird. Is it just me or a little odd? Uh, you know, we can temporarily feel good about it, but the celebrating, the group, Chanting the I, I, I love it, Coach. Okay, you do. Let's, let's face it. When people went to the streets after gigantic victories yeah. in World War II, it was okay. We we are in the middle of a war on terror. We got thousands of troops overseas risking their lives. I I, I think they'd be good to know. You know, and they last night when they were looking on their computers to uh-huh. see people back home 
celebrating one of their victories over yeah, there. So, I know. Yeah, well, it's no, still... I, I know where you're coming from with that, and I don't, I don't, I really don't care. All right, well, I do care. It's still the killing of a human being. I'm not saying he's disappointed. I'm not even saying I'm not happy about it. It's just when I see all these, it seems like mostly young kids out there. Maybe even slightly inebriated, you know, pumping the arms up in the air. They got the number one. They're chanting smiles on their faces. We're still talking about a person getting killed. So uh, even if it's not wrong, it just seemed a little odd to me to see that kind of celebration. Okay, I, I understand. I understand. Mm-hmm. Now, there were, by the way, and, uh, you know, you don't have to divulge anything if you don't want, Joel. You sound like you're in a pretty good mood. You don't. No, I'm not. I really am not. I'm totally faking well, it. But you don't, you don't sound like you're hiding anything. But there were more than a couple of emailers last night and early this morning that uh, were inquiring as to, you know, the big dog calls in or mysteriously does not show up for a show. You know, he says he's got this new job, quote-unquote, you know, tour leader in the city of Chicago. They're putting A and B. They're connecting some dots. Some people thinking that maybe, just maybe, a big dog drove at once. He was part of the one dozen recognizance mission in Pakistan. Uh, Coach, I... I, Just saying... I, I, you know, I really wish I could say that. And I'm not even going to joke to even act. I'm on the level of one of those guys mm-hmm. that did the, the way. Have you have you have heard the mission described to you yet, Coach? Because I've been up all because I couldn't sleep because I'm heartbroken. Yep. Okay, so I've been up all night. I'm a little giddy right now. I'm in one of those situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I basically I think I have all, as much information as any human being does on the planet. And I've watched every news, news channel. The way those guys came down there, the way the helicopter had to take a crash landing, nobody gets hurt and they execute the plan perfectly, mm-hmm. even though one of their helicopters crashes because of a system malfunction. Yep. I mean, how? I mean, these are some elite guys, and you know they're going to send in the best. If you're going after Bin Laden, you don't go, okay, or just send anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and I guess these guys trained for about seven months. Now, you know, I'm I've been real critical of the president. But one thing that you have to, I will admit flat out right now, I was, that was pretty cool. He kept saying he was going to close, get mo, close, get mo, close, get mo. He got in office and all of a sudden realized maybe he didn't know as much about the situation as, as he thought he did, and he left it open. Information from Gitmo is part of the reason why they uh, were able to find out where he was. And they didn't rush into it. They took seven months of planning, yeah. Coach. Seven months. They wanted to make sure nobody got hurt. So when when you talk about the loss of human life and all that, the guy's a scumbag. The guy grabbed his youngest wife and threw her in front of him while the bullets were coming. I didn't okay. hear that. I, I mean, the guy is one of the biggest piece of crafts ever. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I feel bad for the youngest wife because you know she was forced into marrying that. I mean, who, you know, what? so, so that's, did the only, I... that's the only part of the celebration I don't mind. I mean, the guy had intentions of killing everybody, Coach. So... Mm-hmm. I, I didn't hear that particular part of the story, so I didn't I haven't even heard of how many other people were killed on the particular mission besides Osama bin Laden. Well, uh, one of his top uh, people and like two couriers. Okay. So it was executed perfectly, Coach. Forty minute uh, uh, gun battle. Mm-hmm. Not one American got a scratch on him. Mm. Seven months in, and part of the seven months was confirmation. That he was actually there, but it took that long, amazingly, to pull pull off that kind of a careful operation. A relatively small number of people, right, Big Dog? Yeah, forty people. Forty people. They uh, it's four planes, mm-hmm. ten guys a plane, twenty four guys get dropped out of it, you know, uh, down the cord, and and uh, supposedly there's footage out of. I haven't seen it yet, and those guys going down the cord are it's just amazing. They're, they drop out of the airplane or on the 
on the top of the building in like in a second. Wow. So wow. And interestingly, you know, not not some lost cave and some unforsaken uh, <laughs> yeah. unforsaken mountain in the you know Afghanistan or Pakistan, but but in an urban area in a palace and big dog, very little apparently, very little security surrounding the palace. How does how does Osama A live there for so long and B not have a, a lot more security? Well, okay, so see, this is the, he, this is where he contradicts himself because, okay, if you think about this, he's smart enough to remain low key because if you carry a big contingent of people, yeah. you're going to get noticed right. more. Good point. But he's dumb enough to live in a building that is the biggest building by far in the area. They burn their garbage and have no any type of uh, electronic anything that goes in and out of the house does not exist. Mm-hmm. So it's totally suspicious, and nobody sees in the neighborhood. Nobody ever sees anybody in the house, and they have a 15-foot wall built around the house. If he just would have lived in a normal house that was somehow barricaded from the inside and wasn't so big, mm-hmm. he spent two million bucks on it in Pakistan. That probably buys you a lot, wouldn't you think? <laughs> so, I have, haven't checked the real estate yet, but my instincts <laughs> would say uh, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. So uh, yeah. He, so he kind of totally kind of he was like smart in one sense, but totally. Mm-hmm ridiculous on the other so he, he should have remained low-key like i thought he was the guy that hung out in the caves and stuff That's... you know what i mean and live with the commoners this guy's mm-hmm. living in a freaking palace yeah oh maybe maybe he was in caves for for a while and then maybe maybe this was like a vacation spot for him do we well, know, you know they the... say it's a big tourist place they really it is it's a big tourist place in pakistan uh-huh. well you know what it's the old story you know where you least expect it sometimes you you the best place to hide is in the most obvious of spots and that appears to be the strategy of uh, Osama bin MacArthur Laden. Ben MacArthur? Yeah, whatever. Okay. Whatever. But uh, bottom line is he is uh, gone, big dog. 888-463-6748. You want to check in? We're going to talk lots of sports, but obviously the big story off the sports page as well. So apparently uh, some of the emailers, I don't know if they were kidding, half kidding, a little bit serious, but uh, uh, zero confirmation that uh, the big dog, Joe Redwanski, the day that you took off was had nothing to do with the recognizance mission. You were involved in no way. We can uh, now confirm those rumors. Not confirm. No, I, I was being self-destructive and stupid. Okay. okay. So how about that? Self-destructive? I, I, if I, if I'll get into it tomorrow if you want to hear about it, Coach. If you want okay. to do like a trickle-down Tuesday. Okay. Because yeah. it, it, it's, it's worth hearing, and I, I feel real bad, and I did mm-hmm. something stupid. So. Right, well, we but can start... We could start a new tradition. It'll be self-destructive and stupid Tuesdays. Okay. Well, yeah. there's some chuckles in it, so we'll have to okay. say that for tomorrow. All right. all right. Save up all the stuff you did. It could be, you know, not just you, but anyone. It'll be a great release, a little psychological retreat for people, and uh, save up all the dumb stuff, the stupid stuff that you did during the week, and that'll yeah. be our new Tuesday tradition. Yeah, it'll be another day to ponder my stupidity, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Well, be careful how you ponder. But too much pondering uh, will make the heart grow fonder. Uh, ponder, learn some pontificating, all kinds of stuff. Thank you very much. Again, phone number here, 888-463-6748. People celebrating in the uh, fine country, the United States today. And now they're celebrating a little bit in the sporting world as well. Big deal. We got, uh, first of all, tonight, NBA playoff basketball starts here in the fine city of Chicago. The Chicago Bulls taking on the uh, Atlanta Hawks. Big matchup. Uh, Kirk Heinrich injured for the Atlanta Hawks. The Bulls have been off four or five days. I guess question number one for you is a little rust factor for the Bulls, or you think the rest will uh, do them well? <laughs> Tom Thibodeau is their coach. Those guys need as much rest as possible, coach. By the way, Derek Rose took a personal day off yesterday. 
I read that just as a little sideline. Was anybody but me a little bothered by that? Uh, I I heard he had a Manny and a Petty, and then uh, I... I, Okay. Went, went to the went to the suntan booth. Uh-huh. You know what I mean. He you know he did it all, Coach. A personal day off the day before the Atlanta Hawks series. And don't don't forget Tom Thibodeau. They I think they won on Tuesday. He gave the uh, the beloved Bulls off Wednesday and Thursday, a couple yeah. of days to get away. Well, you you maybe it's something serious, Coach. You never know. So mm-hmm. we really shouldn't show because a personal day could mean. I'm not saying this okay. happened to Derrick Rose, but you know, a personal day could mean you know. You had to bail somebody out of jail or somebody mm-hmm. in their family just yep. found out they got cancer. or yeah. You know what Good I mean? Point. So, yeah. Good you know, point. Uh, Good point. Thanks. Thank you for bringing me back to my senses. I retract everything I said. David, on the uh, tape, cut out the last minute and a half <laughs> so that nobody can ever use that again, even me questioning Derek Rose. Come on. What the hell is wrong with me? Yeah. He's unanimous MVP, right? Yeah. Well, well first of all, we do know one thing for sure, Tom. Thibodeau is your uh, coach of the year, Big Dog, and I'm going to assume there's no argument from you there. Thibodeau, uh, not unanimously, but by a large majority, wins your COI. Uh, coach, you now luckily, Cloudy just told me this, but from because I did work a little bit this weekend. Yep. I don't even know who. Like I didn't. I found out that the Bears drafted uh, Cremini and then the angry Samoan from Oregon State. That's all I know that they drafted. Yep. So I, this really is reactionary sports radio this weekend. Well, why should today be any different than others? <laughs> so I can scratch my notes about you analyzing the NFL draft. Well, yes, unless you're going to – I mean, I know all the players in it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't get a chance to watch the draft this year. And yeah. I have it on tape, and I haven't watched it yet, and I will, which mm-hmm. is pretty sick. All right, well, I, I know things are serious in your world when you – because you are – you're a draftaholic. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a lot of sporting events I could see you missing. I am shocked, dismayed, and somewhat caught off guard by the fact that you did not watch – uh, Mel Kiper in the NFL draft. Yeah, people just know, like, what is it? Uh, Coors Light, Budweiser, Sam Adams. What's your favorite draft? For me, it's always the NFL draft. <laughs> uh, no, NBA draft. Oh, I'm, no, I'm much more an NFL draft. Really? Though. NBA draft is boring. Oh, Seriously. No. No, 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 After, no. like, it's... the first five players, everybody else is going to be a bench player. Hey, you couldn't be more wrong. The NBA draft is significant. There's only two picks each team makes. And in yeah. basketball, oh. one guy can make such a difference with the team. So I think the NBA draft is uh, not only more entertaining, but a lot more significant than the NFL draft where you get like 18 picks. Now, you know what? I, you know, you do have an excellent point because, let, let's face it, rookies in the NBA can come in and win games for you. It doesn't happen very often in, in football, you know, so unless they can get after the quarterback because you mm-hmm. don't have to have a really brain to know how to do that, mm-hmm. chase somebody. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So uh, I see what you're going after. For me, it's always going to be the NFL coach because I love football so much. Nah, and well, I love college football. So for me, it's kind of like uh, the commencement, like the graduation ceremonies for all these players whose career I follow. Mm-hmm. Right, well, we'll, we'll get to the NFL draft here a little bit, your thoughts and uh, uh, opinions on some of the draft choices. But let's just finish up with the NBA real quick. What hour show? we got to get to a lot of stories, folks. Again, you want to uh, join in, interrupt us, change topics. We more than encourage the uh, input, output from our fine listeners, 888 888- Four six three six seven four eight. The way to do it. Uh, real quick. Uh, yesterday, big dog. The Memphis Grizzlies beat Oklahoma City at Oak City. I think a little bit of an upset. How about them Grizzlies? And we had the Miami Heat beating the Boston Celtics in a contentious game one. But uh, Memphis surprised team so far. Uh, Memphis and Zach Randolph, coach, look, looking phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. People are calling him the best power forward in the game. I don't know about that, but uh, you know, now that he's not lazy, he's really good. Mm-hmm. One fourteen to one hundred one on that game was at 
Oklahoma City makes it even more impressive. Uh-huh. And I, that's a seven-game series, Coach. It really is a seven-game mm-hmm. series. Yeah, and and of high entertainment value. I'm not saying they're the two best teams. They're right up there, especially with the way Memphis is playing. But, boy, just for young players and athletic players and excitement, entertainment, great series. I hope it goes seven just for the entertainment value. Oh, yeah, you know what? I, I think it's going to. Uh, I don't think either one of these teams are going to be able to pull away from each other. So, cause, and uh, I'm just—I really am surprised that uh, Memphis got the first one, game one. Mm-hmm. I thought Oklahoma City would be ready for that. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so too. I think Oklahoma City thought so too, especially their fans. They were uh, in shock a little bit. How about Miami Heat knocking off the Boston Celtics, big dog, ninety-six to ninety? The Heat started starting to live up to reputation. They get the twenty-five points from a kid coming off the bench, James Earl Jones. James Jones, yeah, and I guess he had a couple really hard fouls on people too. Yep, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch Paul, the game, but from Paul Pierce in particular, mm-hmm. it was a ridiculously hard fouled game, and mm-hmm. Paul Pierce got ejected. And uh, I haven't really, I, I haven't seen, but um, some people have been telling me that he wrongfully ejected, like he didn't really do anything and didn't deserve it. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I got a bunch of storylines in that game. And he scores uh, twenty five points, gets five three pointers. The man formerly known as James Jones, he performs like that. I'm going James Earl Jones. You got to okay. give him his dues. If he goes back to playing eight minutes a game off the bench and uh, you know going two for eight, he's back to James Jones. Sorry. Well, if he starts dunking instead of shooting three pointers, we can call him Jimmy Jam. <laughs> Yes, indeed. So we got those two games off and running. Of course, uh, it's a uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. These NBA playoffs, it's unbelievable. We're only in the second round, still a lot more to go. But yeah, I'm uh, already sick of them. Come on. No, Wait, come on. Heck? No, no, no. Come on, come on. It's actually good, good stuff, good entertainment. But uh, give me a quick preview of Bulls and Hawks. What do you think is going to go on in this series, Big Dog? Here at Chicago, of course, we're all swept up with our Bulls, but uh, there was a. Uh, Little groundswell support for an upstart team, maybe similar to Memphis. They might be the Memphis Grizzlies of the Eastern Conference, the Atlanta Hawks. Here they come. Yeah, and uh, what what the Hawks are made of is, you know, we so see how Noah plays, where it's always nonstop and effort and always being relentless. Well, that's what Al Horford is, but with talent. Now, now no knock to Noah. Noah's got a nice little jump shot. He's a great passer for a mm-hmm. big man. But, I mean, like, Al Horford is explosive and can shoot. Teammates, and, and don't he, forget. And he's, and that's exactly my point. Is it's almost like those guys like made themselves great players while they were at Florida because mm-hmm. they seem they battle like with the same intensity. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like the Bulls will have their hands full. And Coach, back ain't a compliment coming here, but I'm kind of happy that I found out Carlos Boozer has a bad toe because I just thought he was lazy. Okay, because mm-hmm. he he doesn't move around and he doesn't really aggressively. Try to be in the best position possible uh, mm-hmm. defensively. Yep. You know, you know what I mean. He'll he'll slack if he if if he has the option. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I, I think the, what's disappointed people a little bit more is you know the defense. We've never acceptable, but you know you know Carlos Boozer. You're not going to get tremendous defense. You just hope he becomes an average defender. What's disappointing though, Big Dog, is that he seems to be sloughing a little bit on the offensive standpoint, specifically. The refusal or the lack of interest in getting down in the post, sticking your butt out, getting your hands spread out, widening out, and call for the damn basketball down on the low post. Yeah, and get Al Holford in foul trouble. Yeah. Please. So uh, hopefully his toe is healed and and he'll be all right. Well, because, but again. Otherwise, and, and, Taj Gibson has to play. Put, put sit his butt on the bench mm-hmm. and let Taj Gibson play if, mm-hmm. if he's going to. No, Taj Gibson's outplayed him so far. 
There's no question. No question. It's a different team with Taj Gibson in there. Huh? Boozer's been rebounding pretty well. You can't argue with that. But again, and I don't blame the sore toe. I can have an injured toe and I can still get down in the low blocks and ask for the ball. Now, maybe when I make my move, it's not going to be quite as explosive, but I just want to see him not settle for a fall away 13 footer, get down on the blocks, use <laughs> the big body, butt somebody out and call for the basketball. That's what I want to see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm all about easy shots. And as many, the more easy shots you can mm-hmm. get with an offense, yep. the more it opens up everything. So yep. the fact that we have a point guard that can penetrate and get a layup whenever is the reason why the Bulls mm-hmm. are the number one seed in the playoffs. So why don't we also have a big man that maybe can make the point guard's job a little bit easier, fake it penetration, drop it off to the guy, and all of a sudden Carlos Boozer's one-on-one because everybody's so worried about Derrick Rose, and he gets a nice lay-in. Preview, by the way, to tomorrow's Tuesday's uh what did you call it? I was stupid and I forget. Destructive. The... I don't know. Something. I don't know what I called it. Yeah, I don't know what but, I called it. But uh, preview. Just a teaser for tomorrow's show that easy shots was one of the things that led to some of the downfall of uh, the Big Dogs weekend. So oh, how's, how's that for a little teaser special? And by the way, the Joakim Noah, you mentioned him. Now, our, our emailers are very creative, Big Dog. Our listeners, I don't know how accurate they are, but they're they're very creative. There's some speculation. That you know Barack Obama is a Bulls fan, correct? Yeah, he's all of Chicago. You are also aware that uh, Joakim Noah's grandfather showed up for, I think, his first time ever to watch Joakim play? And by the way, I did watch the replay of the game, because that's usually what happens for me, coaches. I, mm-hmm. I have to watch it at a, at a time you know, later. Yep. And I they showed the girl next to the... Next to the old man, that had to been that had to been Joe Kim's sister. Sister, lovely, it lovely had, lady, because it, it looked like her coach. Beautiful, like beautiful her. young lady. Yeah, for a, for a couple of minutes, I thought maybe Grandpa was, uh, you know, living living high on the hog there in his later years. But that was the sister, so we can dispel those rumors. But yeah, but let's end that. We cannot dis- Yes, let's end that particular rumor. But is there a thought that uh, Barack saw how Joe Kim performed? How the Bulls perform with Grandpa Noah in the crowd, there is a thought amongst the 40 people in that mission in uh, Pakistan to kill Barack, uh, Osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm. 39 soldiers and Grandpa Joakim Noah. <laughs> By the way, speaking of the number 40. Yes. And, and the attack, uh, there were 40 passengers on Flight 93. Ooh. And, uh, Interesting. we sent 40 Navy SEALs. Interesting. So, so Osama bin Laden, just to just uh-huh. to throw that out there. Very nice. And, and by the way, Todd Beamer's father. Yes. Was speaking. Todd Beamer is the kid that said, yep. "Let's roll." Okay. I got to tell you, you want to hear some common sense spoke by by a, a victim's parent. So I got to tell you some Todd Beamer's dad. I don't know what his first name is. I'll be mm-hmm. more than happy just to call him Mister Beamer. Mm-hmm. That guy has. I got to tell you something. I, I I really felt a lot of compassion for him just for how. I mean, this, I, I have a lot of respect for the guy, mm-hmm. so it was pretty cool because you're talking about they've doing a lot of people that were victims on, on 9/11. Their responses, what's going on, and, you know, and some are kind of um, along the lines that uh, you know, I'm glad they finally got him, and then there's other like ways to look at it, and because uh, we got a long way to go, coach. There's yeah. many, many more people that this, this like it's just one victory. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, no question about it. So, so this uh, Todd Beamer's dad. You heard him speak. Was this a while ago, or is this, this in the this aftermath? This morning about uh, this okay. morning about seven thirty. Okay, interesting. So just his uh, uh-huh. like his uh, uh, like what he's talking about, like how he feels with uh, 
His response was pretty good. Mm -hmm. And what do you think we should continue to do as a country? It was pretty mm -hmm. interesting. I heard one uh, terrorism insider, uh, United States, uh, of United States vintage, and I thought he had a good point. You know, you're talking about, well, Osama bin Laden's dead, but it's going to create, you know, other factions, and, you know, the terrorism could even get worse. And his comment was, yeah, maybe, but what happens when you lose some of your leaders is that the underlings have to communicate more to gather things together. And the more they communicate, Big Dog, the more they communicate, the more open they are to our CIA people, our undercover people, our, um, another word for it, and I can't think of the description right the now. The U.S. surveillance is Yeah, to pick remarkable. up, so it'll be easier to discover, and maybe not, you know, we don't just kill Osama bin Laden, but through their communication, our discovering of it, we even wipe out more oh. of al-Qaeda. So there's that aspect also. Absolutely. That's an excellent point, Coach. And, uh, you know, the reason why I'm not sad about this whatsoever and, you know, like the people dancing in the streets, and I, and I do understand that you can might feel that someone else across the world might feel disrespected by that, okay? But, uh, I mean, the president said it yesterday. Mm -hmm. President Bush said it, what, September 20th of, 19, uh, of 2001. This is a war against Islamist radicals fundamentalist not against islam mm -hmm. we've said it many many times so and and i you know i hate to tell you but that's a part of the world coach that they live by the sword and it's a much more they'd rather be feared than love type society it's not the way we think so the fact that all of a sudden they're realizing that not only <laughs> are we like specifically going after islamist fundamentalists and not islam we will go and find you and it will do, no matter how long it takes We'll figure it out. If you're going to attack us and kill citizens, mm -hmm. we're going to keep on going on. But then, so, but besides that, Coach, just want to you know all these conspiracy theorists. Yep. Okay. Well, if something is going on, if just say it really was a whole conspiracy and, you know, now they finally, they finally killed them, if they're doing something right now because everybody's attention is focused on the killing of Assam, oh, oh, you know, bin Laden. Mm -hmm. So, like right now, Fort Knox might be being emptied. Wait, I'm I'm confused. So you're saying a conspiracy meaning? Like the conspiracy theorists right now are like reminding people these are the times when they okay. pull off like gigantic stunts and crazy stuff. Okay, and that they being our our sad and noticed enemy. I was trying to figure out who's who's pulling off the conspiracy. Oh, no, 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 yeah, like no, like uh, if if these conspiracy theorists like our government, the U.S. government. Oh, okay. So just like so that's 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 like ah, the buzz going on okay. around that. Just, just, okay. Throwing out other forms right. of, uh, so, of how some people think. So a little insider trading, if you will, while we're celebrating, they're uh, stealing something maybe right before our before our eyes. We're doing something, yeah, where typically okay. we wouldn't be able to get away with it. Oh, like right now we might have assassinated a, uh, a guy that's running to be, you know, or something like that. You mm -hmm. never know. Somebody better check things. and make sure Bernie Madoff is still in jail. Please. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying it's true, but I'm just saying that a lot of stuff like that happens. Maybe not mm -hmm. in this instance, but there have been instances mm -hmm. in the, the, the you know the history of the United States where they like I forget what they call it, like the, not the false flag. That's where you start a war, fake a war just so you could create one. Mm -hmm. But there's there's something else that they call it. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Political reactionary, the big dog Joel Radwatsky. <laughs> Joining us here on the Two Guys at a Mic Show, up all night watching the news broadcast. He's got all the insides of the actual attack via helicopter that proved to be successful. You want to uh, 
Ask Joe any questions, inquire a little bit more. He has uh, done his due diligence staying up all night watching a particular show. Give him a call at 888-463-6748. We thought we'd spend most of the show analyzing the Bulls Atlanta Hawk breakdown, but uh, Big Dog, like any news show out there, radio show out there, you got to roll with the punches. The big story out there is Osama bin Laden. You are on top of your game, my friend. Now, have you seen the pictures yet of him? I haven't. Oh, my. It's good. Now, they were. We were warned. It's so graphic. It's morbid. And I was like, I was really prepared. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. It's definitely Osama bin Laden, by the way. It's a Photoshop. Uh-oh. Oh, it is. Yeah. So the actual <laughs> pictures have not been released yet. No, they haven't. Okay. No, that that one was like all over the place a couple hours ago. But mm-hmm. it, it's okay. a Photoshop. Thanks, thanks, Dave. There you go. That's why we call you a political reactionary, Joel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's good. You and David Olson are a nice combination like salt and pepper uh-huh. it's like the hot sauce with the lemon juice you know a little you, you you balance each other off and hopefully somewhere in the vast in between comes some level of accuracy yeah i had to give my computer back or i might have known that already <laughs> oh so. goodness all right uh any other comments on that big any other things you saw late last night that we might not be aware of uh those of us that have uh, followed it only in the brief times it's been on most of us sleep at night um I think we pretty much covered it all. I mean, they got in there safely. It's mm-hmm. a, well, there's, there's probably all types of information that we're going to learn now. You know, it was the place that Bin Laden was staying at was 100 yards away from uh, a Pakistani uh, army base. Okay. Yeah, the, the Pakistanis said they had no idea he was there. Which so, you, you um, would have to believe, because if they did, you know, the more people that know about it, it's bound to get out. Yeah. Right. Exactly. The United States has offered what incredible amount of money for any kind of hints to where Barack Obama could be. So I mean, you got to believe that uh, Osama bin Laden had to limit significantly the number of people that knew where he was. Yes, you would. You would hope so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and plus, I don't know how many wives the guy had, but you know that couldn't help him out at all. No. No, that would be a definite, definite. He probably, probably, I would imagine, once he became a terrorist, the social life had. To diminish somewhat, it had to affect the social life. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, you, you got millions of dollars. You live in a rich family; they're mm-hmm. going to make billions and billions of dollars. And yep. you decide to, to create a fatwa and take on the United States of America. Yeah, yeah. well, you got it, and you're trying to hide your secrecy. You just can't have women come and go. He might have had to resort to internet porn instead of the uh, the real thing. One of the deficiencies of being a worldwide terrorist. Yeah, yeah, Let that yeah, be well, a lesson to all the youngsters out there. I hate to tell you, Coach, he had to go with the old uh, magazines. He like had a description oh, of Hustler with like his cousin's yeah. name on it or Can something. Can you like imagine? Because he can't use the Internet. That's true. Do you know what I'm saying? That's and true. I, I, it's been it's legitimately been like 20 years since I bought a dirty magazine. When, so. when you're hiding out, you got to go back to the basics. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you can't have cable either. You know what I mean? That's true. Because, I mean, you, gotta, you have to put down your social yeah, security so, number and stuff like that. So. so if I could get philosophical here for a moment as we put the pieces together of what life was like for Osama bin Laden, oh. even if he was living in a mansion, big dog, in a sense, he was like living in a cave. Yeah, it was just plush. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's uh, instead of having, like, you have pet rats and not just regular <laughs> rats. <laughs> oh, goodness. Thank you very much. All right. Um <laughs> I don't know where you go from there, Big Dog, but again, I, it just seems weird, all the people jumping around and cheering. That part is kind of... Um, 
and I'm also happy that that was photoshopped because I didn't think it was that morbid of a picture. I'm like, really? I was. We were warned it's, it's grotesque, and I'm like, this is nothing. Are, David, are we going to see the real pictures at some point? Yeah, yeah. it's well because you know all the questions are already popped. Oh, he's not really dead, and blah blah blah, and they got rid of the body. And or all he this. was dead eight years ago. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. So CIA officials are saying yes, they are mm-hmm. going to end up releasing the photos. Interesting. You know, I, I really wish, Dave, they would have. And I, and trust me, I understand the concept of you can't say. Um, like he's, they're not, not going to say he's dead if he really isn't, because he can show up later and be like, "Look, they didn't kill me." That would be moronic. But, uh, but I really wish they would have kept the body just for a little bit for what, exactly what you said to confirm that we really got him and he didn't die earlier. Just like, and then cremated or something. I because I, I, I understand they don't want to bury him because why should he get, uh, mm-hmm. you know, any type of uh, place for like pilgrimage to be created or or other stuff like that. So. They they should have kept the body a little longer, I think, just to like. But they but I guess they got molar records and and blood. They got uh, they've got they've got DNA and they've confirmed the DNA evidence. They've confirmed. Yeah, but like, uh, but who confirmed it though? The U.S. military. See, I'm not saying they're wrong, Dave. At all, I'm not saying they're wrong. But in order to quiet down other people, they're going to come out barking because that's eventually going to happen. When something big like this happens and it involves getting rid of the body of somebody that important. They're going to say that if somehow it was tampered with or they already had the blood or something like that. That's the only thing that I'm I'm worried about. Yep, it's almost inevitable that that will happen. Now, you're alluding to something we haven't really talked about here, and that is apparently the uh, Muslim tradition is after you die, big dog, within 24 hours, the body must be first cleansed and washed and then dropped at sea. Do I have that correct? No, no, not at all. I do not have that correct. within Within 24 hours, you're supposed to be cleansed and washed. And buried with your head facing towards Mecca. But, so d- dumping him in the water is impossible for his head to be facing towards Mecca. So now was, people are complaining that he was not. Uh, what was the reason we properly. dumped him in the water? Because they didn't want to put him in the ground because okay. they don't want a pilgrimage place. So if All we right. dump him in the water and weight him down, mm-hmm. there's no place to create a pilgrimage to uh, okay. the jihadist. But we wanted to do something to stick with the the Muslim tradition of the person being put to rest within 24 hours. Yes, yes. Right, a lot of people I are criticizing. Just fly him back to the United States, take a couple pictures of him, mm-hmm. and then uh, cremate him with his head facing towards mm-hmm. Mecca. Yeah. And then take the ashes. Yeah. And, you know, they asked, by the way, just to let everybody else know out there, the U.S. government, as soon as the body was confirmed, immediately contacted the Saudi Arabians. Yep. And they asked do you want the body? And they said, absolutely not. Okay, so they were mm-hmm. going to give him back, to, and they didn't want him. Mm-hmm. So before anybody gets upset about the fact that he wasn't buried properly, he was offered back to the Saudi Arabians, his home country, and mm-hmm. they didn't want him. Yeah, well, well, I don't know how anybody can get upset, because we pretty much, at least to some extent, stuck with the uh, Muslim tradition. We did not bring him over to this country. We buried him. Now, maybe not the way it's supposed to go, but within 24 hours, he was... Put to rest, shall we say? Yes. Right. Yes. So it's not like we brought him back to this country having parades and celebrations. This and, time. and all and all I got to say is anybody who interprets uh, the Quran like him, yep. we really shouldn't worry about how he uh, is. Uh, what he called faces his God mm-hmm. because quite honestly he didn't yeah. interpret the book the way most Muslims do, which is peacefully. Yeah. yeah. And let, let us. I, I'm assuming Barack Obama's decision is so many of him. 
His decisions are, were very reasoned in the uh, least of the bad alternatives and was to prevent more of uh, putting, you know, igniting the fire a little bit more. And Yeah, yeah. you have to. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's such a political game. Do you know what I mean? And, and I'll say it again. I have no problem with it. And uh, I'm at war with uh, Islamist fundamentalists as far as I'm concerned. Honestly, Coach, mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's disgusting to, to want to kill somebody to force your way of life on them. Just stay out of that. I don't. I don't care what you think. I'm not going to try to change you. I'm not going to try to make yeah, you a, yeah. a fighting Illini basketball fan, That's even right. though you should be. That would apply to any religion. Yes, absolutely, any religion. Coach. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do whatever you want to do. Be whatever you want to be as long as you don't hurt anybody else. Don't force it on any other people, particularly from a violent nature. It's just, uh, you would think, basic common human sense, but obviously it doesn't apply to everybody. Not at everybody, Coach. Yeah. How about them Hawks? All right, 888-463-6748. Big door real quick. I hate to do it. Hate to do it to you because you're feeling pretty good. You're feeling pretty giddy right now, but I got to bring up a little bit of baseball here. We are a sports show of sorts. I'm I'm faking it, Coach. Okay, well, you're faking the giddy pretty well. Yeah, tomorrow is Depressment Tuesday, so join us for uh, some stories of some entertainment value, but overall... um, Overall oh. depression in the life of the big dog, Joel Redwanski. Make sure you join us from 10 to 11, which should be a, a very giddy show. But uh, baseball, not so giddy here in the city of Chicago. Big dog, we were kind of half kidding on Friday that uh, this is our final day to use the excuse. It's only April. Don't worry about it. It's only April. Well, it's not only April anymore. The calendar hath turned. It is May. The White Sox lose again over the weekend and again and again and again. They've lost five in a row, and the Cubs uh, a very nondescript split. With the Arizona Diamondbacks, four to three heartbreaker yesterday. Any solace you can give the Chicago baseball fans out there? Um, you got great ballparks to go to games too. Parking uh, readily available. You got, uh, Chicago in the summer is absolutely gorgeous. So mm-hmm. if uh, the baseball team sucks, maybe you, you maybe you go to the beach one weekend that you've never down, been down there before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, uh, I don't know. There's other, there's things to do here in the city of Chicago, coach. What, um. They're gonna be, okay, I was hoping the Cubs, I shouldn't say hoping. I was thinking they possibly could have a winning record this year, but I knew they mm-hmm. had no chance to contend. Um, the only thing that I'm hoping for as a Cub fan is that Darwin Barney and Starling Castro continue to just blossom, and I don't, I don't want them to, I want them to be the, the up the middle for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, this one we're gonna take out of this year, as a diehard Cub fan is gonna be in it forever. Him, hopefully Andrew Kashner can show some stuff. You know, he's a first-round draft pick, a fireballer. Hopefully, you know, they, some of these guys can come up. That, mm-hmm. That's that's all I can hold as a, as a Cub fan. And as a White Sox fan, the only thing that you can hold on hope to is you are the streakiest ball club of the last 20 years in baseball. No team has greater fluctuations within one season as much as the Chicago White Sox. They broke the record for greatest, like, difference in, in like, plus-minus records in the in the same season, like the way they started compared to that one stretch that we talked about last week is yep. like the greatest. No, no team had ever done anything like that before. Mm-hmm. And, and those Sox consistently do that. So if you're, if you're a White Sox fan, you know one thing, uh, the middle of June to around September 1st, Adam Dunn's going to hit about 25 home runs and Carlos Quinton's going to hit about 15 and Paul Cronurco, you know, is going to get hot for a while. So, <laughs> and if they all get hot together, they got they got decent pitching, you know. They, if John Diggs gets any support, coach, he'll win. Just get him five runs and he'll get you a W. The problem mm-hmm. is they don't score when he goes out there. Yeah, right now, you know, you use the word fluctuation. The 
of recent anyways, the last 18 games is more like flatulation for the Chicago White Sox. I mean, it's just unbelievable. They've lost 15 of their last 18, five in a row. And as you've said, uh, they've been so streaky the last few years, last even extending beyond the last few years, it just seems to be a tradition with them, and it's yeah. not a recipe for great success. The last 20 years it has been. Yeah, and, you know, you hope you can have one of those hot streaks, but Big Doe, you know, to to continue to hope for those big-time winning streaks at some point, that hope is um, is going to lead to eminent disappointment, and this uh, 2011 year could be the year that happens. Well, it could be. There's no question it could be, because eventually, you know, you're always like, oh, they're not this bad, they'll turn around. You, I, I don't. It isn't like May first is the day that you can stop saying that, coach. No. And I do, I do agree with. I understood exactly what you're saying. Now you mm-hmm. really do have to start playing some ball. Um, but I, right now, if you're a White Sox fan and you and you look at the division, are, are you believing that the Indians are going to be that rough to beat? I mean, are, are you really? Have you bought in wholeheartedly that they're you know they're not going to that you can't catch them? Because right now, nobody in baseball is playing better than the Indians. For, it's, when I say that, people are like, oh, yeah, whatever. No, but really look at how they played this year. They've got the best record. They hit the ball in the ballpark. They've got lockdown relief pitching. Their, their starters have been really good all year, and they, they catch the ball. I mean, that's a nice recipe. So I don't know if they're going to do it all season, Coach, mm-hmm. but the Cleveland Indians for the first six of the season have been the best team in baseball. Yeah, what, 19-8? and eight? Yeah, again, think about that statement. The Cleveland Indians, team that has been down for uh, an extended period of time, sometimes so far down as to be a you know, laughing stock or an embarrassment. Maybe that's a little bit strong, but uh, through 25 games, not a huge body of work, big dog, but uh, significant enough. And you're telling me the Cleveland Indians have been the best team in baseball that's a shocking statement from a sporting perspective yeah well you know don't forget i know you say that they've been down for an extended period of time Mm -hmm. he had a 3-1 lead over the red sox to go to the world series in 2007 so i did forget about that yeah do you know what i mean coach because and then they just we're just going to get rid of cc sabathia we're going to get rid of cliff lee Mm -hmm. i mean The organization has no money. They got to figure out a way to, you know, win with nothing. I mean, if you, if CC Sabathi is on this team this year and Cliff Lee's on this team this year, because like I said, they're they're starting. Well, Justin Masterson, by the way, you know, everybody's talking about Jared Weaver. There's always like a guy that you know has a pop out season that isn't having as good as a pop out season as another guy like Jared Weaver, who's got a point nine nine ERA. Well, Justin Masterson has been just a notch below him so far this year. Hasn't lost yet. And his ERA is like like right around two, coach, and he's mm-hmm. looked really good. So maybe you know, the Indians are for real. They're definitely going to contend for this. Just as long as I mean, Fausto Carmona was really good a couple of years ago. He had all those shoulder injuries, and now he finally is looking good. He's throwing the ball all right. Mm-hmm. Chris Perez, their closer, is he's a stud coach. He's probably going to close forty games this year. Beat Detroit yesterday, five to four, six wins in a row. They've won thirteen consecutive at Chief Wahoo Ballparks. Thirteen consecutive home games, absolutely amazing. They continue to roll. Boston knocked off Seattle three to two. They avoided the sweep. The team uh, that everybody expected Big Dog to be the best team in baseball. Everything you said about the Cleveland Indians—that's what people were supposed to be saying about the Red Sox. They're twelve and fifteen. They have to scratch out a ninth-inning game-winning hit off a Jed Lowry triple. Just to salvage one game against uh, the AAA Seattle Mariners. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! Yeah, it's it's really really crazy, Coach. 
I can't I can't believe how the, the pitching hasn't been that bad. Okay, it, it's not been good. It's been average, but how poorly they've hit. You look at that lineup; it doesn't make any sense that they mm-hmm. haven't hit at all. I, I mean, how do you think Jed? How, how do you think Jed Lowry feels? He hits the big triple scores on a Carl Crawford single. ESPN, they're going to show highlights of Jed Lowry all night long, and then boom, Osama bin Laden gets killed, and all the Jed Lowry highlights are ruined. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jed Lowry is Cannot be pretty happy. happy. Yeah, I don't think he cares yep. too much, Coach. Oh, I think he's upset. If you're he's a, Jed- a, 20, he's a 27-year-old, virile young man who probably has five or six <laughs> friends uh, in Afghanistan right now. I'm glad sure. You, glad you didn't say wives. He probably he might have five or six wives Take in Afghanistan. Easy. Take it easy. Atlanta knocked off the Cardinals 6-5. to five. Pinch base hit in the ninth inning for them. St. Louis, though, still leads the National League Central big dog. Tony La Russa and Dave Duncan at company. They lose their star pitcher, Adam Wainwright. Albert Pools gets off to a slow start, yada, yada, yada. You look at the National League Central standings. Who's in first place? They find a way, the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, it, I, I really do think that there's going to be a couple teams contending all, all year long. Yep. I do think the Cardinals are going to end up winning the, winning the division. Which, and by the way, Albert it, Pujols played third the other day after David Freeze got his hand busted. Wow. So that was yesterday. David, so they moved Albert Pujols to the third base in, mm-hmm. the, in the middle of the seventh inning. So, and David Freeze, he's hitting 365, coach, and he's going to be mm-hmm. out for like six or eight weeks. So Cardinals do have an issue. Um, you know, the, the Reds offense is as good as, as I thought it would be. The, the issue is they're, they're pitching. So um, the Reds are going to have to beat you like 7-6 mm-hmm. a lot of the times, and yeah. that, that's going to be the issue. It, the Pirates are still there, coach. They're still there. They still have a chance to hang in and fight for the division. I really do think they have a chance this year. Knocked off Colorado 8-4. to I love uh, not only the center fielder McCutcheon, I love their second baseman. Is it Neil Walker? Yeah, Neil Walker. Good Neil ball player. Little. Looks a little bit like Mark DeRosa. He's got that look. Uh-huh. Kind of the GQ look. He looks like he shouldn't be playing baseball. He should be doing magazine ads, but the kid can play. Yeah, he's got a little pop, you know, yes, for a second baseman. Mm-hmm. He's going to hit 300 with 15 home runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's a nice little player. And their best player, their most, well, besides Andrew McCutcheon, everybody knows he's their best player, but the other one of their guys, Jose Tabata, and he's done nothing this year, coach. I mean, this is a guy, they were, he's their number one, like, superstar prospect. Mm-hmm. And he had a great year last year, and he hasn't done anything so far. So if he gets it going, which he should, he's, I don't, he's not totally proven, but he is, he's shown that he can hit here. So. Speaking of great years, last year, uh, Pittsburgh knocked off Colorado 8-4. to The guy who was on the tips of our tongues last year, the hottest guy in baseball was Ubaldo Jimenez. Uh, 365 days ago, 365 later, Ubaldo Jimenez Injured a little bit and has exactly the same amount of wins that John Danks has for the White Sox, big dog, and it ain't many. Yeah, Jabaldo uh, uh, Jimenez had that great run, but I don't see him as being like a great ace. I, I think that was really a coincidence that he had, he, he had 15 starts that were unrivaled in the history of baseball. Yeah. Like Bob Gibson in 68 had a yeah. run like him. But again, not three or four or five. It was 15, and 15 starts is like a third of a season. Half of a season, yeah, you know. So that's uh, yeah. I'm not knocking a kid at all, coach. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I don't expect that out of him because if you expect it out of him, he's always going to be a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, but I am I am a little surprised he doesn't have a win yet. That surprises mm-hmm. me. Florida Marlins knocked off Cincinnati nine to five. The Philadelphia Phillies are uh, doing 
what Boston was supposed to do in the American League, they're living up to their reputation so far. Uh, pitching has been unbelievable. But the Florida Marlins hanging right with them, big deal. Only a game back quietly at 17 and 9. Absolutely amazing. And they, uh, they beat Cincinnati 9 to 5, had five homers yesterday. And again, Hanley Ramirez not even having a big season. Yeah, he's not having a big season. Now that, see, that team's doing it with like young, tough pitching yep. and the, possibly the best pitcher in the game, Ooh. Josh Johnson. Awesome. I mean, that, I mean, if, he has been just absolutely dominant mm-hmm. uh, this season and and last season. Um, so and, and their their lineup is just loaded, Coach. They really do have a lot of good uh, hitters up and down that lineup. So, mm-hmm. all right. Final thing to mention in the uh, baseball world from over the weekend. Very quietly, the streak continues. Now his L.A. Dodger team lost. By the way, they're taking on the Chicago Cubs, so we can watch the hitting streak move on. But Andre Ethier again. Shh, don't tell anybody. Very quietly, the streak continues, Big Dog. It's up to 27 games. That's uh, that's getting pretty high altitude. Yeah, when it was at 23, I asked you, do you think he'll get five more? You said yep. yes. yes. I said no, because 28 is a magic number for hitting streaks because it's halfway to Joe DiMaggio. Mm-hmm. And, and then right when you get there, you get into elite company, Coach. And that's just, to me, that's, you're not special until it gets to 28. Mm-hmm. So, so tonight is it's really a milestone hit if he can pull it off. Well, he's going to be going up against Chicago Cub James Russell. So, the odds of him getting a hit is not great. Unfortunately, that's not a great compliment to James Russell. It's just probably that he'll probably get like three walks out of four at bats. <laughs> I, I hate to do well, that to gets, James. If he gets three walks and and a sacrifice fly and has no at bats, it won't stop the hitting streak. Mm-hmm. Wait, say, oh, yeah, and a sack fly. Yeah. But if he gets three walks in and out, it would. Yes, it would. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do you, owe it to, do you owe it to the game if it came down to the ninth inning? Let's say the Dodgers are either up by a lot or losing by a lot. Uh-huh. And you're pitching, and, and this is Ethier's last at bat. As a pitcher, do you owe it to the game uh, to make sure you don't walk him, at least give him an opportunity? You go after him and yeah, make make do. him earn it? Yeah, you, you absolutely do, Coach. I do. Mm-hmm. There's there's certain there's there's just unwritten rules and, and and if you do stuff like that it's you know it's not honorable. Mm-hmm. How about as a manager, final at bat, tight ball game, and the situation calls for a sacrifice bunt, final at bat, not a well, ten game really, hitting streak. Well, how you would have to tell me a, a situation where you'd rather have Andre Ethier bunting yeah. than swinging? That's a good point. I guess the only one, and if you tell me if you can find something better, the only one is if there was a runner at second and no outs and you was a tie ball game. Because mm-hmm. if you're down one and there's a runner at second, I'd rather have him swinging away. Don't give up the out. Mm-hmm. That would be the only scenario. All right, good point. Good point. A little baseball round em up wrap em up brought to you by... If you'd like to sponsor the Two Guys at a Mike Show, email us at mike2guys at aol.com. Plenty of sponsorship opportunities available, but that was our baseball roundup. up Wrap him up, the big dog, Joe Radwanski, passionate baseball fan, sports reactionary, and political consultant, all wrapped into one. A few more things which we can't get into right now, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. If they're bad this weekend, that's exactly what I was. Yeah, and I know you're a big college football guy. We're going to get into that tomorrow, don't you worry. Uh, but the NFL draft, uh, we need an overview from you, big dog. Uh, it's a couple days now we've been able to let it sink in. First, uh, we got a lot of Chicago fans that listen to the show talk from a Bears standpoint. They pick an offensive tackle, a defensive tackle, one-two. I'm assuming 
You being a uh, inside the trenches guy, pretty happy with those first two picks. Okay, yeah, I, I got to be honest with you, Coach. I haven't seen who was on the board when they got Cremini, but I like the pick. I really do like the pick mm-hmm. uh, because I really don't think Chris Williams can play uh, tackle. And believe it or not, Coach, their seventh round pick from the year ago, Jamarcus Webb, can play right tackle. So maybe we well, have right to... tackle or left tackle. Right tackle, and this kid Cremini will play left tackle. Well, maybe because Cremini is a run blocker. Okay. So they're talking about taking uh, Jamarcus Webb, moving him over to the left, and okay. playing Ayatollah Cremini on the right tackle spot. I'm I'm 100 percent fine with that. I'm 100 percent fine with that. Mm-hmm. So okay, uh, and you know the kid can play. Uh, watched a lot of Wisconsin football. It's some of my favorites to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, fullback and tight end. Uh, but where did Lance Kendricks of Wisconsin go? Not till the second round. I know oh, that's, that's your guy. That's ridiculous. I know that's, that's who, who yep. got him. Uh, you know, I can't remember, but I, I kind of kept an eye on him, and I was surprised he was not picked earlier. He was picked. At, he was the second tight end pick, picked her after Notre Dame's uh, Kyle Rudolph. Uh, you know, no knock on Kyle Rudolph, but he's coming off an Achilles injury, yep. and he is nowhere near the blocker Kendrick says. He's 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 a better downfield threat, but uh, Kendrick's is better after the ball, like with the ball. Mm-hmm. But you know, Rudolph did have that long run against Michigan, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Bears picked a quarterback on the fifth round. They got a defensive tackle who bench-pressed 225 like 45 times. I love guys like that. Is that, is that the Samoan? Yeah, P-A-M? In the or? second round? Yeah, what, I don't even know how you pronounce his last name. But they really needed a defensive tackle coach, so that's yep. that's good. Yep. That's good. And you are a big fan, I know, of angry Samoans. Yes, I love them, coach. I absolutely <laughs> love them. Now, um, I, really, I know Cam Newton went number one. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I also know that the Lions got Nick Fairley. Woo! Are you kidding me? The Domicon, Sue, and Nick Fairley in the middle. Are, are you kidding me? Yep. And you know what the best thing about it is, you know, I don't want to get all technical, but there's two different types of defensive tackles that you need. And the thing is, is Domicon, Sue, and Nick Fairley can play either style. So, the, you know what I mean? They can, the stuff that you can do with that, and, and you have to take three to four people to block the two guys next to the football mm-hmm. every single time. If you're right now, if you've ever played middle linebacker for the Detroit Lions, it is, is it, all the, they're trying to stay in shape, coach, because <laughs> if they're in a contract year, they're going to get about a billion dollars after this year because they're not going to get blocked all season. Uh-huh. I, I, I was commenting on the game behind them. I was saying on Friday's show, if you're the Detroit Lions defensive coordinator, your job just got a lot easier because you don't have to even put in any game plan for the inside run stop. You basically hey, get our pass coverage under control. Mm-hmm. Don't let the runners or the quarterbacks get outside the uh, the tackles, and we're all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you, and if you have see the only problem with them is they have horrible corners. If they had good corners mm-hmm. and decided to just hey let's let's play defense like the '85 Bears did, you could. You could, and you could just be like, we're going to punch you in the mouth every single play. No, we're not going to play zone. We're not going to do any of that. We are going to ram our linemen down your throat and our linebackers down your throat every play. Too bad they, you know, they can't do that, though. Rumor is they're working out possibly a uh, Nick Fairley or a Ndamukong Sue to play a little bit of corner in special situations. I can understand that. I think Ndamukong Sue would be better. He doesn't backpedal real well. It's a little weight distribution situation, but uh, they're giving it a shot. Yeah, he's going to put his soccer shoes on because, you know, he was a great <laughs> soccer player growing up. Yes. All right. Don't forget, by the way, as we wind up the show, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Big Dogs weekend. Uh, we didn't get into today, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. But don't forget uh, next Saturday. 
Five days from now, some 116 hours from now, Big Dog, the 137th running at the Kentucky Derby. I, for one, I might be a party one, but I, for one, I'm excited. Okay, well, hopefully you'll have a real pretty hat on. Yep. There's no favorite yet. Basically, whoever Calvin Burrell rides is probably going to become the favorite. Right? That guy's hot. He's the hottest jockey around. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we got to throw a shout out too, also to the Northwestern women's tennis team, 13th in a row, big dog. 13th consecutive Big Ten championship. They had Michigan yesterday. Four to three. I don't care what level you are. You win 13 championships in a row. Kudos, Capital K. Oh my, really? That's, that's some dominance, coach. Mm-hmm. That's about as, that's probably one of the longest streaks in the history of the Big Ten conference in any sport. In any sport. Uh-huh. Absolutely, absolutely. Also, a little kudos out to Shlomo Ashkenazi. Might want to ask who's Shlomo Ashkenazi. I didn't want to say it because I couldn't say it. <laughs> Shlomo Ashkenazi, semifinal game yesterday in the game I'm coaching, Big Dog. Played for me in the Maccabi games. Uh-huh. Orthodox Jewish youngster, able to play on Sundays, not able to play on Saturdays. Five seconds left. Full court, races up the court in a tight ball game, pops a 12-foot jumper to win the ball game at the buzzer. Big basket by Shlomo Askenazi. Give him some kudos. Blast. Flapper. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> getting it done. Oh, and he's wearing, he's wearing the yarmulke on top of the head because he has to, you know, for the games. Orthodox. Uh-huh. In the handshakes afterwards, one of the African-American players on the other team comes uh-huh. up to him, not in a mean way, but in a very kidding way, like he points to him like, how's that thing stay on? I thought that was, was, was kind of cute from an innocent standpoint. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know how it stays on either, to be quite honest. Yeah, well, there you go. You should have been on the handshake line. Then you'd know. All right. Big Dog, we got to wrap it up. Preview tomorrow. you got some stories to tell. Some good, some bad. Um... No, 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 they're a lot funny. Okay. Whole, some good, because I started working at that the, the tour company. Oh. Yeah. But you I, gave I, your I'm first tour? Tours yet. I'm not giving tours yet. Okay. And that's going to be, a, it'll be a while down the road. They let right. me know that I have let to me, prove I can Let speak. me know when you are, because we'll get a couple of listeners and myself, maybe assistant producer Randy Myers to ride in the, um, uh, not the canoe, but in the kayak, kayak for your first it's tour. We'd like to be there for the first tour. Waterriders.com with one R. So waterriders.com. Beautiful. All right. Big Dog, we'll talk tomorrow. Yes, we'll talk tomorrow. Coach. David Olson, producer extraordinaire. Thank you so much, reactionary Joe Radwanski, joining us. Have a great day out there, everybody. Two guys at a mic. TalkZone.com. Back at you tomorrow, 10 o'clock.